All right, welcome to Bragging on Jesus, week number four. Now, um, let's do a little review, and then we'll get into um, what we're going to talk about today. Week number one, we were in John 15. We also looked at John 14. Remember, um, let's see, um, whatever we ask in the name of, of Jesus, that the Father might be glorified in the Son, He will give. So there was a condition to that. And John 15, abide in Jesus, and if his words abide in us, uh, uh, that we might, uh, you know, bear much good fruit and prove that we're his disciples. And uh, we want, uh, and again, that the Father might be glorified and uh, Christ would give us his joy. Uh, week number two, we talked about the timeline of Peter, how, remember, Peter began his relationship pretty much with Christ when Jesus said, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And then the last words of Jesus to Peter in the book of John were, what is that to you? Follow me. So it began with follow me, and it ended with follow, follow me. And Jesus brought Peter back to mission time and time again when Peter got his eyes off of Jesus. And he does that with us. It's, it's about the mission of the kingdom that Jesus handed off to his disciples. We talked about that in week one as well. And then to week, week, week three, number three, um, the woman at the well, where Jesus um, went through some Samaria, Samaria on his way to Galilee. And he stopped by the well of Sychar that was dug 1,500 years before, approximately by Jacob, uh, descended of uh, ancestor of Jesus. The promise was made to Jacob that through his seed or through the Messiah or through Jesus standing there talking to the woman that the world would be blessed. All nations would be blessed. All tongues and tribes. Uh, the creator of the world stood there. The one that upholds uh, the universe with the word of his power. And he spoke to the woman at the well. And um, and he, he taught he told her the gospel. She believed, and she she told the people of town about Jesus. The people came out, and we looked at evidence um, as to why we believe they're a, a Christians, uh, and they they, they uh, confessed Jesus as the Savior of the world. And something really strong, I believe, is that they they wanted to be around Jesus. They asked him to stay there, and he did stay there. I think two days. So. Um, we don't. People don't just uh, typically get saved and and then don't want to be around Jesus anymore, right? So that's good evidence if you love being around Jesus. And we also got some great pointers from Jesus as to how to share the gospel and how to relate. He gave us some amazing insight. We had some creative writing for each one of these weeks that we we did poems and devotionals. Especially, and um, and now today, week number four, economy of God's kingdom, um, and actually, the it, it fits very closely with a lot of the things we've been talking about so far. I just want to drive the point home a little bit today, and um, well, thinking of the worldly economy, um, what nation has the greatest economy in the world? Well, it depends on who you ask and by what criteria they judge and 
uh, and who judges and uh, what political party might be in the White House that's making the judgments. <laughs> but um, as far as um, there's many different ways to assess an economy, but um, as, as far as value of goods and services go, the U.S. has been in the top position since 1871. But like I said, there's many ways to 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 uh, assess the economy. That's really not what we're talking about today. It's about the kingdom of God, the economy of the kingdom of God. And we're going to be looking at some passages. I believe that they're all talking about the same thing. To the best of my knowledge, we're going to begin with Acts 11 in verse 27. Luke is looking back and recounting to Theopolis um, some of what we'll be talking about today. Uh, a great famine was coming, all right? Now in these days, prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. And one of them, named Abagus, stood up and foretold by the Spirit that there would be a great famine over all the world. This took place in the days of Claudius. So the disciples determined everyone, according to his ability, to send relief to the brothers living in Judea. And they did so, sending it to the elders by the hand of Barnabas and Saul. And Saul, I think, is, is being seen as Paul. Um, now, Paul, I think, encouraged the Corinthians in the same matter in 1 Corinthians, in a letter to them. Chapter 16, verse 1, we'll start. And here's what he says. Now, concerning the collection for the saints. So, I think that the famine must have been in full swing. I don't know. As I directed the churches of Galatia, so you also are to do. On the first day of every week, each of you is to put something aside and store it up as he may prosper, so that there will be no collecting when I come. And when I arrive, I will send those whom you accredit by letter to carry your gift to Jerusalem. If it seems advisable that I should go also, they will accompany me. And then Paul writes to believers in Rome, letting them know about this situation as well. Romans 15, 25. At present, however, I am going to Jerusalem bringing aid to the saints. For Macedonia and Acacia have been pleased to make some contribution for the poor among the saints in Jerusalem. All right. Well, in today's text, Paul was sent in Titus. We're going to be in 2 Corinthians 8. To start with, Paul was sending Titus to them to gather uh, money or gifts that he might take back to the believers in Jerusalem as well. And so Paul uses, as he makes a case, he uses the believers from Macedonia as an example that by trusting God in, in, their, in a giving heart, with a giving heart, even with their own poverty, you know, they were in poverty themselves. If they trust God like the Macedonians did, this will help them to succeed in their common mission in Christ uh, amid every trial and affliction they encounter. This was a spiritual learning process. It was not only about giving to the, the saints in Jerusalem, but it would serve other purpose in the kingdom of God and for God's glory, even in their own lives. So let's see what Paul says. There's some really powerful verses here. 
that, you know, that I just want to, you know, take with me everywhere I go. 2 Corinthians 8, 1, here's what he said. We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a, a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means, of their own accord, begging us earnestly in the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. And this not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord, and then by the will of God to us. So to me, what really stands out here is quite unusual. Uh, almost catches you by surprise, is these uh, the contrast in verses uh, 2. For in a severe test of affliction, so they were being afflicted, their abundance of joy, so that's the extreme to the other end. It's, it's not like peanut butter and ch chocolate, or it is. These, these apparently go good together, right? Okay. And, and then it says their extreme poverty. So there's another extreme. Joy, poverty, affliction. And then it says have overflowed in a wealth of generosity. More extremes. Uh, and then it says to the point that they even begged us. They begged Paul and his company for the favor of taking part in the relief uh, of the saints. And, and they did this... Um, not just because they committed to gate to give, but says they gave themselves first to the Lord. Right? That's where it starts. So there, I mean, it's really amazing what's going on. This case he's making with the Macedonians, that even though they were poor and afflicted, um, their joy, mixed with all this, overflowed in a wealth of generosity. So somehow God made them able to give. And we'll find out more about that. Let's continue verse 6. Accordingly, we urge Titus that he had started, that as he has started, so he should complete among you this act of grace. But as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all earnestness, and in our love for you, see that you excel in this act of grace also. So this act of of, of giving themselves to the Lord in love, be, uh, or and then in love, being quickened to give um, to their brothers in Christ, even though they were, you know, poor themselves. And Paul wants them to grow as um, the Corinthians to grow in every good work, in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in earnestness, and in love. And in their giving. I mean, that's with, uh, with the giving along with everything else. So, let's continue. Verse 8. I say this not as a command, but to prove by the earnestness of others that your love also is genuine. You know, genuine love. You know, that that's, you know, the Second Corinthians, or is it First Corinthians 3.18 says that, right? No, I'm First Corinthians 13, I believe. You know, talk, the love chapter, right? Um, you know, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love, right? And uh, with their love being genuine, that's a that's another evidence of of their salvation as well. So, um, um, 
Verse 9, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. And so the, the state of the kingdom of God, the uh, economy, is, is in good shape, right? I mean, God was rich, and he He was came down to earth, and he He uh, made us rich. How, how so? Because we were poor. Uh, and we're talking about spiritually. We're talking about righteousness, our own righteousness. We were dead broke. We were homeless in righteousness. We had none. We were poor. We were bankrupt. And Jesus, who has perfect righteousness, came down and lived a perfect life. Uh, he never broke any commands of God. He was God. He was God's son. But he came down and was tempted as man and never sinned. And um, he, would be, he would not have to pay the wages of sin, which is death, because he had never sinned. Right? And if it were, if he were able, he would be able to, if he wanted, he would be able to um, give us his righteousness. Because we had none. But still yet, there was a debt that needed to be paid. So Jesus paid, was paid the wages of our sin on the cross. And he imputed his righteousness to us. So Romans 6.23, I think it is, uh, for the wages of sin is death. And the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Uh, and this is called the great exchange. 2 Corinthians 5.21, for our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, that so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So, as verse 9 says, um, He was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. So, Paul uses uh, not only the Macedonians as an example, but he also used God in giving his own son as the perfect example of giving and loving. Um, all right? For us, so for he he is our example, um, and so Second Corinthians uh, nine six. We're going to move to chapter nine now, and Paul pretty much is, is pretty blunt about where he's going. The point is this, he says: whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. So, you know, I always used to think of that scripture. I mean, as, you know, we, we reap what we sow, right? And so, it, I mean, it's for me, right? But, but you know, in context, this is, is, this is for the kingdom of God. Whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly, so that we might be great givers. I mean, that's what God is talking about. Great lovers of our neighbor. So that uh, the mission might continue. Um, that we're called to do, right? So God wants to give us so we can give. And he continues to make that, that very point. Uh, verse number 8. And God is able. This is another power verse. And God is able to make all grace abound to you. So that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. 
As it is written, he has distributed freely. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. So God uses, Paul uses God as another example here, but he, he uses all these extremes again here. He says, uh, God is able to make all grace abound to you, having all sufficiency in all things at all times. You may abound in every good work. So that's what God wants um, to um to you to reap. He wants you to sow and to reap so that he might bless you and you will continue to give even out of your poverty. I mean, this is not the health wealth gospel. It's not the prosperity gospel. I mean, these are, if you're someone like the one of the Macedonians who are afflicted and persecuted possibly and poor, dirt poor, God still is able to make all grace abound to you in every way at all times so that you may abound in every good work. This is the miracle of God, all right? And it, it, it's not just talking about money, but you might be poor like the Macedonians in money, or you, maybe you're poor in abilities, or maybe you're like me and you're poor in good looks, poor in health, or something else. It doesn't matter. God is able, is able to make you abound in every good work uh, so that you will have all sufficiency in all things at all times because of his grace. So that, I think that's a powerful verse. And, and um, in verse 10, uh, Paul gives another example uh, of how God does that. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. Here's another power verse. Verse 11. Um, and we're in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Uh, you will be enriched in every way, to be generous in every way, that through us will produce thanksgiving to God. Every way, every way, every way. And, uh, you know, um, and at verse 12, for the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. So it's our love for others, but... Uh, the, the, the foundational point of, of the universe is for the glory of God. And this says, so that God may be given thanksgiving. And so our praise goes to God when we do this, when we live trusting God and giving and loving others. Um, Romans 11.36 says, For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. All right, and uh, you may, if you've uh, listened to any of the other um, Bragging on Jesus weeks, you know that this, this is right in line with all of them. You know, uh, God wants his mission to succeed, and he knows it will succeed. It's just that we want to be a part of it or not. Um, he will give us whatever we need to complete the mission if we abide in him and let his word abide in us. And, uh, yeah, it, we can ask whatever we want, and he'll give it to you. That the Father may be glorified in the Son. And sometimes we don't know how that is, but we can trust God for that. It goes right along with Psalms 1-1, um, beginning there. Uh, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by the streams of water that yields its fruit, in its season, and his leaf does not wither, in all that he does he prospers. 
And some, somehow we have to rectify that to the Macedonians who were so poor and afflicted. In all that they did, they prospered. And so we're talking spiritual, God's miracle in the spiritual realm and how it intersects with the world. God is always there to make things work out for his glory, right? Um, you know, there's, in closing, there's a couple verses you, might, you may think that are contrary to one, to one another. Um, John 14, 13, that we said, Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that my Father may be glorified, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. So Jesus said that. And, and he said that before in various ways. Whatever you ask in my name, if two or more agree. And, and you, can, you can read many times Jesus said things that along this lines. If we ask in his name. And here he says that, that very thing. But then in James 4.3, we see something contrary, it seems. You ask, and he's talking to believers, I think. You ask and do not receive. And then he tells us why. Because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. So God wants us to spend our life on his passions. The, the new mission that's been put inside of our heart. We, we're no, no longer on the mission for me, but it's on the mission for, for Christ. And in losing our life, we're finding it. So in, in that context, the, it, you know, it is for our good, you know, uh, and God, God wants to show us how to be successful in Him. But God gets glorified when we, we get there by, by um, giving everything to Christ, letting it all be about Him, right? Um, and that goes, goes along with Psalms 37.4. Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. Did God give the Macedonians the desires of their heart? I think He did. Remember, they were begging. They were begging to be able to give to the saints in Jerusalem. And God made that possible. He provided them to be able, for them, that they might be able to give in his kingdom. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for your word today, Lord. Thank, uh, please uh, ignite it in our hearts. Uh, internalize it in our hearts, Lord. Just um, help, help it to uh, be power. And, and rest and trust and confidence and, and peace, Lord, within our souls, Father. Help us to take it with us and, and that we might be able to walk in joy and confidence, loving you and loving our neighbor and giving, Lord. Uh, uh, giving, not, not uh, you know, worrying uh, and being defensive about our giving, but to, to give generously, uh, even beyond our means. As, Lord, I don't think you want us to... Uh, to not take care of the, the commitments we've already we've already made, Lord. But you want us to, to give freely, Lord. Give us a heart for that. Show us what it means to love our neighbor as ourself. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.